Just so you know a bit about me, um, I, I'm from Brighton, I'm married, I have a one-year-old son. Um, I'm from a family of six people, two parents, four children. Um, I was the youngest of four, I had a big sister at the top and two brothers in the middle. Um, I came from a Christian family, my dad was a vicar. Um, and what that means is that I was at church every Sunday, I went to Sunday school, I heard Bible stories, we said grace, we prayed at bedtime, we prayed before long journeys, we prayed if there was stuff going on. Um, God was kind of consistently a part of my everyday life. Um, I don't know a time without God at all. I can't remember it. Um, I don't have that moment where I felt that I became a Christian. I just always had. Looking back, I can see what God was doing and I can now see those moments. But at the time, I don't remember um, not being Christian and then being a Christian. I said the prayer. You know, they often talk about the prayer of commitment. A lot of you, has anybody said that? That's brilliant. It's such a powerful moment. If you haven't, then be excited about it. If you don't remember ever saying it, then listen to me. I said that prayer probably about a hundred times just to make sure because I'd not had that bit where I thought, oh, I'm living this terrible life. I'm clearly not a Christian. Oh, I've met God. Now I'm a Christian. And that's what I thought a testimony was. Um, So we called this thing, this seminar, Not So Ordinary because I didn't think that I had a testimony. When people say testimony, I would think drama. I would think... um, Daryl Tunningley, we all heard him speak on the first night. I don't know if you've heard his story before. It's a very, very exciting story of crime, of prison, of doing an alpha course, of being saved, of family, and now doing this wonderful, wonderful work in Jesus. And there is a purpose in him for that. I had none of that. Let me show you what I thought my story was. I thought that was my story. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I was born in a Christian family. Stayed a Christian, still a Christian. That's my story. And I thought that was what belonged to me. I realized that that was actually my experience. But my real story looks like this. Okay, this is a Bible. Everything in this massive book that spans hundreds and thousands of years points to Jesus. And that is my story. And that's what I want to communicate with you guys today. Sounds a bit heavy to begin with. Oh, actually, it's very heavy. I'm pretty strong. Um, so, I was born, a family, I moved around. Let's do a little bit of geography. Um, I moved around quite a lot because my dad was a vicar, so when you lead in churches, you often get God speak to you and move to different places. So, I was born in Nottingham. Anyone from Nottingham? Yes! Great, love that. Uh, we then moved to Derbyshire. Anyone from Derbyshire? All right, Doc. Um, I then moved to Colchester in Essex. Anyone from Essex? (laughs) Was that a boom or a boo? (laughs) We're gradually getting further south. I then went to um, study at university where I met Martin from 12 to 14. Great. Uh, In Canterbury in Kent. Yay. And then I finally made it down to Brighton. And then I came to New Day in Norfolk. And I once went on holiday in Cambridge. No, stop now. <coughs> um, who here feels that they don't have a story? Yeah, you feel like life's just been a bit boring. You just plodded. You were born in church, so you just are who you are. Um, I want to tell you now, in the nicest possible way, that is rubbish. Because God made you. He had 
wonderful plans for you and um, he has purposes for you in your future and that's what I want to talk to you about. Um, when I was asked to do this, I said, but I don't have a story. I, like, I literally, I don't have a very exciting thing to tell. They're like, no, 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 just tell us about your life and what happened, the ups and downs. I was like, there weren't really any. I got, I got a bit bullied sometimes and that wasn't very nice and... Like, my brother and me always fought, and we'd punch and hit and scream and cry. He would actually, um, my brother Ben, uh, and then my bigger brother Sam, um, Ben would walk up and want to play with Sam. Sam would say no, and he'd say, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to go annoy Naomi. (laughs) That was literally his fun thing to do. We did not get on, and that wasn't fun. But it wasn't this terrible, terrible thing. Um, School, I did all right. I wasn't brilliant. I wasn't terrible. Um, I wasn't really popular, but I wasn't picked on an unpopular I was just kind of friends with everyone and kind of plodded on in my life um at church um was pretty much the same I knew a lot of people I was friends with everybody involved in lots of stuff we started doing a um we started doing a youth group which we called get mixing which is where you brought your friends and then we had get serious which is where you did your bible study and then we had get real which is what you had on Sundays and I was involved in a band in our church from quite a young age doing all the youth services um I would like kind of go out of services to pray with friends sometimes um if there was stuff going on in their life I went on weekends away with our church. I learned what prophecy is, um, which is when God is speaking to you so that you can tell somebody else or speaking to you just so that you can really hear from him and, and share a message from a God who actually wants to be in communication with all of you all of the time. Um, and so God was just a part of my life in the very obvious churchy way. Um, in terms of at school, when we moved to Colchester, has anyone had to move during secondary school? <laughs> I love that every question gets a whoop. Do you like my hair? Thanks. Actually going to get it cut soon, but cheers for the compliment. Um, Yeah, so I had to move secondary school after year seven, and that can be an incredibly hard time. I was moving, I wasn't just moving school, I was moving county. I was moving from Derbyshire to Essex. It was massive. I was not going to know anybody. I'd only just done year seven, and I was about to go into year eight. And it was pretty daunting, um, because I didn't, I just had nothing in common with these people. I didn't even speak like them. I used to speak like you, Midland lot over there. I used to say but and class, um, and now I say but and class, because I live in the south. Um... But it was, it was a huge deal going to this school. Um, and school and God weren't separate for me. Um, so my parents went to look around a few schools. And then me and my brother went to visit two of them to decide which one we wanted to go to in September. That was the September that I was going to be in year eight. Um, and I was taken to this school. It was a Roman Catholic school. I didn't know what that even meant. Um, but I just knew that I was going to end up probably going there. Um, so a, a lady came to take me to a classroom. And... Um, I went in, everyone turned around, and I was like, flipping heck, this is like the most awkward moment where you're not even in the same uniform as everyone else, you don't speak like them, you've no idea where you are in the country because geography is not my strong point. It it was really, really horrible, and I just said, no, and one girl at the front, she's called Sarah, um, she turned around with everybody else, but she smiled at me, and I said, God, please let her be the one who's going to show me around. And the lady walked me around the class, sat at the front, and she said, Naomi, this is Sarah. She's going to show you around today. Um, And it was just a moment of, gosh, like, God really looked after me in that little moment. Um, Sarah and I actually stayed pen pals 
I'm so old that we didn't have the internet. We couldn't email or text. We were pen pals. We would write to each other on a letter, put a stamp on it, put stickers from like Smash Hits magazine. You don't even know that this is funny. Um, and then we'd post it. And then, um, and then I'd get it and then I'd post one back, probably with more stickers of Peter Andre when he was very young and no Jordan business. Um, we then stayed in touch over that time. My first day of school, that next September. So we've done this big move. I've said goodbye to all my friends. I'd lived there from the ages 4 to 12. So I had a lot of friends there. It was a big church. It was our family. Um, and I went. And my first day of school, I met Sarah at that front gate. And we have stayed best friends ever since. Um, I was a bridesmaid at her wedding. She was a bridesmaid at my wedding. We visit each other. We send Christmas presents really late because that's what you do when you're really good friends. And um, she's one of my best buddies. And that's just a tiny example of God looking out for me in that horrible, horrible time. I just knew that I could go to him. I didn't know why I knew that. But I just knew that I could say, please help me. And he was there. Um, I said earlier, I didn't know all of this stuff at the time. So I didn't necessarily know that I wasn't a Christian and become a Christian. I actually didn't think that I sinned um, because I was a Christian. So that means that you don't sin. And because I couldn't remember not being a Christian, then I obviously haven't sinned. That wasn't true either. And it's still not true now. Um, but it meant that I didn't belong to the sin anymore. And I'll tell you what that means. Um, when I was at university, probably, a lot of people, again, it's a huge transition. You first go, a lot of people ask about you, probably like they do here. When you meet somebody new, you start to find out what church you're from and how did you become a Christian. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an acceptable um, question to ask when you're at an event like this. So they asked how I became a Christian. And I said I, I didn't. I just always have been. Um, and God reminded me of something. When I was your age, I went to lots of festivals like this. I went to Spring Harvest, Soul Survivor, New Wine. When I was in the kids' work, so I wasn't even of an age where I would think I would make a decision like that. When I was in the kids' work, it was something called Captain's Crew. We had lots of fun um, activities, not, not filthy activities like these ones. Mm, slugs. <laughs> uh, but we had lots of fun activities going on there. And there was a time where um, they said, if you want the Holy Spirit to come into your life, then ask him. Um, and I had a picture. God often speaks to people in pictures, um, just kind of in their imagination or in dreams, as a way of communicating something that he wants to tell you. Uh, and I had a picture of, it's kind of a cartoon, of a bright pink fluorescent heart-shaped room. I'm standing in the middle of it like a stick person. And a bird flew in from one side with a bag, um, well, like, a, like a sack that had the word bad written on it. And it flew into me, it came out, and the bag was full, and it flew away. It then came back with a bag that said good on it, poured the contents into me, and then flew off again. And I just thought, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? That's really, oh, that's lovely. Um, but I didn't realize the power of it until I was speaking to some people when they asked me how I became a Christian. I thought, gosh, that, that was probably it. That was God taking away that old self. I don't know if you hear a lot of... There's a lot of words in kind of the Christian world that don't always make sense. And they talk about this old self and then a new creation... The old self is, is that sinful stuff. It's just we're born that way. We're in a world um, that is broken. And you're born that way. You're born selfish and sinful and you prefer yourself and you look to get as much as you can and you might just want to be a little bit mean because it makes you feel better. Um, and that was God saying, I'm taking that bad out of you and I'm just taking it away. And then in accepting the Holy Spirit and in inviting God to be in my life, I'm pouring good into you. Disclaimer, that does not mean that I am perfect. <laughs> okay, we all still sin. Um, we don't want to. Sometimes we do. Um, 
it doesn't make you feel very nice, but it does still happen. But the best bit is that God then doesn't come and take all that good out again and pull the bad back in. Um, We're under this thing called grace, which means that we don't get punishment anymore as a Christian. We We just get him helping us to do the right thing again and again and again, no matter how many times we chip up. So that's probably, looking back, the moment that I became a Christian. Um, And that's what impacted my life. That's why when I was at school that I didn't know anybody, I asked God for help. Um, That's why when I saw friends crying, I would ask God to help them. That's why when I was in a church meeting like this, I got excited because I knew what I was getting excited about. You saw me a minute ago. I can't really keep it in. When we're shouting about our God, I just... Oh, it's really exciting. It's a good thing. And it's an amazing victory that we get to share in. But he didn't always have all of my heart all the time. There were times where I would want to push the boundaries. So I didn't really get drunk um, as a kid. Actually, I didn't get drunk as a kid. Um, but I did try alcohol before I was 18. Um, I fancied... Uh, sorry, I didn't... Um, I didn't go out with anybody when I was younger. I remember in year five, um, a boy called Ben Varney asked me out. I said, I'll have to ask my mum. She said no, so I said no. And, it, and I, didn't, I didn't actually like it, but that was a good example of me. Thanks. Um, but, that was, um, but that was me actually thinking what my mum said, knowing that she's a good woman, was more important than kind of wanting to be like all the others and go out with someone. So I didn't do that. But I did flirt. And I did hold hands with people when other people weren't seeing. Um, you know, it's, it's not those kind of things that people can see. It was the stuff going on in my heart. It was like, okay, I'm going to look like a Christian, but I'm going to do the things that I can get away with while nobody's looking. And that was just a reflection that my heart wasn't fully God's. So um, I was at church. A friend would cry. I'd be like, okay, let's go and pray, which is great. And that's a really good thing to do. But we both knew that we were doing it so that we didn't have to listen to the talk. Anyone done that? Maybe don't raise your hands for that one. Um, I didn't outright disobey my parents. I wasn't really terrible. I didn't do big things that they told me not to do. Um, But we had a uniform at school where your skirt was a certain length. And I did roll it up because I wanted to be like the girls that thought rolling up your skirt was cool. And that was more important to me um, than kind of sticking with it. I wasn't a bully. Um... But I did laugh when I heard funny stuff about other people because they're not going to know I heard it. God knows you heard it. God knows that you were preferring to be a part of that cool gang than, than actually defending people. Um, I didn't start any gossip or mean rumors, but I loved hearing it because I wanted to be involved. I wasn't, my heart wasn't fully God's that I could stand back and say this isn't okay or just walk away from it. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect now. Um, that, that carries on. There's always times where, where you struggle between that pull of, oh, but this is going to make other people happy. Oh, but this is going to make God happy. Other people, God. Other people, God. Um, but I just want to ask, I, I think there's a lot of people here who've probably been in a similar experience to me. You know, you go through life. There was no drama. We didn't have any deaths in our family we we had a bit of poorliness, but then it, it went, it got better. Um, you know, there were big moves, but there were supportive people, so it didn't seem that bad. I'm a very cup-half-full person anyway, but there just wasn't a drama. I don't have a kind of up-and-down, up-and-down, up-and-down life when I was your age. Um, I just 
did all right. I stayed pretty good and God was close to me. Um, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get closer. That doesn't mean that, that you're boring. A lot of people might feel like, like you're that boring friend. Um, you know, like your, your friends are the one who go through all the drama and you comfort them when they go through the breakups and you're the one waiting for them when they come out of detention and you're the one pretending that you haven't done your homework because they haven't done their homework and that's really cool. You feel like the boring one. But there is such purpose for you in playing the role that you play in their life, but far more so in your relationship with Jesus. It's like Simon's been saying, um, killing lions and bears as a kid made him able to kill Goliath when he's talking about David. So those little decisions that you make have a massive impact later. Um, I think there might be some people here who you kind of discount yourself from the sorries and the repentance um, because you don't have any big sin. You know, you're not the bully. You're not always going out with people. You're not drinking. You're not doing any of that big stuff. But there is all this other stuff. And the size of it, it doesn't matter. There isn't such thing as big sin and little sin. And this is something that, to be honest, I'm, I'm nearly 30 and I've learned this quite recently. I thought, well, I'm good, so it's okay. And it's not. None, none of us are good in our own right. It's only because of Jesus that we can say that we're good. Um, so later on, I'm, I'm going to ask that there's some time available to pray. And one of the big bunch of you young people who have been on my heart is those ones of you who, who just, you, you do that sneaky sin. You do the ones that people don't see so that you still look like you're a great Christian in your church. You do the ones that you don't tell people about because you don't want anyone to know. And it's not a big one anyway, so it doesn't matter because you're comparing yourself to what you think the big sin is. Um, actually, that, there's no such thing. You need to be comparing yourself to God who just wants good, pure, wonderful, obedient, faithful things from you and for you. He's a good God. There's also something very exciting about this, okay? Being radical in the small things is just mega because you get the bigger and the bigger and the bigger. Could you imagine being David? Like, you're your age now, say. You get told to look after a sheep for, what, 10 years? And then Blimming Goliath comes along and you're the one who gets to slay him. How amazing must that feel? That, you know, there's, there's such purpose and preparation. If you feel that you're the boring Christian with no story and no big sin, if you nail it all now, imagine what God can do with you. You don't have to go through the tough times, the drama, the excitement even of, of the big testimony. You know, I said about being a boring friend. I, I was totally a boring friend. Was anyone else a boring friend? You're really reliable. You're really strong. You're faithful. You're steadfast. It's all excellent stuff, but you feel a little bit boring. Daryl Tunningley, running away from the police, beating people up, going to prison, getting saved, speaking at events all the time. That doesn't sound as boring. God is using both those purposes. So if you're in here and big stuff has happened in your life, and there has been a totally dramatic turnaround, I am not poo-pooing you in the slightest because God has still been at work in you, and that's the whole point. There is purpose in every single one of you. If I knew your names, I would name you all now and tell you very specifically that there is purpose for every one of you. And I've seen that in my life. All these little ones, you know, leading worship. There were totally days where I wanted to be leading worship when I was little because I liked singing and I wanted people to hear it. But God has turned that around. He's built in me a humble heart where actually I could happily sit behind that curtain 
if that was a good way to lead worship because I don't care about you seeing me. Doing this talk has terrified me because you're all looking at me. Standing two layers up there singing about Jesus doesn't scare me in the slightest because it's about him. Okay, that total drama queeny, sinful, selfish bit of me, God has turned around. I beat that little bear of attention. And now it's a Goliath of shouting that the enemy's been defeated. There is such, such purpose in you. I don't know all your flaws. I don't know all your best bits. I don't know all your habits, your hobbies. But God does. And he's put them in you. And the ones that are perhaps pulling you away from him a little bit, he's wanting today, this week, to pull back. Nothing is in you by accident. You don't enjoy a certain sport and God doesn't want you to. He might want to use that in you to preach his good news to other people, to tell your mates about him when you're doing that. Not even outright, just in the way that you behave. If you choose to step away from a confrontation, that's showing people other stuff. If you're big, big, big on chatting and people always come to you as a confident, you can, you can start as offer to pray as well. You never know. Um, I don't have a lot more to say. I hope you've heard something in there that's really, um, that, that's really hit you. My dad said to me when I was 19, um, I was about to go and see a boy um, who I knew was bad for me. Um, and he knew was bad, and my dad knew it was bad for me. Um, he just wasn't very nice, but for some reason I thought it was a good idea. And he pulled me to one side before I left, and I thought, oh man, I'm going to get a telling off. I'm going to get told why he's a bad influence, why I don't need this, why he, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he, all he said to me was, Naomi, you know that God is a no compromise God. And that hit me like a dagger in the heart. And you know what? I still went out. I still went out and I spent a few weeks kind of seeing him, kind of not, got my heart utterly broken. Um, And I can't tell you not to make mistakes and make your choices. But remembering that God is no compromise. He wants your heart. Yes, there's mistakes. um, But by grace, he helps us learn from those. I wonder how many lions and bears David didn't kill before he killed his first one. I wonder how many injuries he got on the way trying to kill one of those lions and bears before he killed the first one. God's there for all that. He's there for your mistakes. But he's there for the end as well.